I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Yeah, happy Wednesday, everybody. I'm joined by Mr. Wayne Brand, Mr. Tim Shields. This was a tough loss, but we're going to try and do something a little bit different. We're three games into the bubble. We've seen the Celtics win. We've seen them lose. We've seen them lose ugly and then we saw them lose scrappy last night when we saw them win it was pretty but it was still tense so we're going to take a look at what we think they've got versus what we think they're missing as a team who wants to start I mean I've got my points that I want to touch on but I want to give one of you guys the floor to really get this thing rolling I think Jake King talked about it a little bit one thing I've noticed across the board so far of what they're missing and I don't know if this is can be pinned down to one player or a specific piece but if you look at the way they're playing defensively, there's something lacking. Jay King posted a tweet about saying, right now the Celtics, out of the 22 teams in the bubble, in terms of defensive rating, we're 21st out of 22nd, or 22 rather. So I don't know exactly what's wrong with the Celtics team. I don't know if it's intensity, if it's not picking up defensive switches, if it's lapses, but they need to up their game, specifically in the defensive department, in order to keep in these games. I think last night, specifically against the Heat, they had a moment where they really, really clamped down on defense, but it was not it was not consistent enough the entire game. Other than that, I think another big aspect they're needing to work on is just having a good ball handler. I don't think outside of Marcus Smart, I really I really don't feel comfortable giving a lot of minutes to Brad Wanamaker. There was a twenty second sequence last night where he just looked absolutely lost. And I don't know what it is. He gets tunnel vision. Yeah, I have, I have a, I have many things that they're missing. They, they just they lack the three point shooting. You know, it's either on or it's either off. And I just really feel like if they just had one person that just only focused on three point shooting, like if that was their thing, they didn't they didn't really have to do much of anything but just run off screens, get open, get to your spots, shoot the ball. I just feel like if they had a really good three point threat. I think it would fare well to fit the style of offense that they like to run because this is what they do. Like they like to shoot threes. It's just that when they're off, they're off. And then the Celtics start slow. And that's what you've seen in the two losses that the Celtics had. They started off slow, meaning that they just cut their shots just weren't falling. They were trying to get to the rim. They couldn't, they couldn't finish at the rim for whatnot. They were getting to the free throw line early in the beginning of the game. And then they resulted to the three point shooting. And then the shots just weren't falling. And then it was just like, oh, it's going to be one of those games. Whoever doesn't hit their shots will probably prevail. Like, you know, we'll probably have a chance in this game. Another aspect, and I know we don't like to talk about this, and, and I, I know a lot of people like to veer away from this conversation, but if the Celtics can just get one solid, big, dominant player down there to protect the rim, to do whatever it is they have to do, that's – IQ high IQ enough to know how to you know rotate on defense. For example, if the Celtics found a way to trade for a guy like Jared Allen, who is young, who can come in, who would play that particular role, I think you would see a lot because the weight a lot less dominance inside the paint, and that's where the Celtics start to struggle because they like to force people to the perimeter to shoot their threes. But when you have a guy that just is rolling to the basket, like when you're defending a Bam. It's really with that type of energy, 
It's not like he's a slow big and you got time to rotate and get down and not miss. As soon as he gets down to that block, he is trying to go up every single time and he'll get 30 free throw attempts a game. If they had somebody, no disrespect to Daniel Tice, I don't know, or Rob Williams or or whoever, you know, gets in the game. It's just a little bit too much for them. And I think, Tim and Adam, I think that's where you see the laps on defense because once Bam gets that ball down there and then they collapse on him and it's late and then there's two people wide open, he's going to dish the ball out and then, boom, there's a, a wide open three-point shot. So defense, I, I have to agree with Tim on that one. Like it, it was weird watching them rotate on D and then it was just like they just looked lost. Like the miscommunication was just there was no communication at all. It, I, this is why I say I miss a guy like Al Horford because he, you know, I, we went from Kevin Garnett to some blanks to Al Horford, who just understood defense. Like that they didn't, they understood the concept of the defense that they were running, and then I think that hurts them, and I think that's why you see the lapses of of consistency on defense. I don't want to talk more because I know Adam got like 35 other points, but yeah, I mean, you guys hit the nail on the head, yo, the ball making, and we have to some way touch the bench scoring because if the bench is irrelevant, that's a tough night for your starters. Yeah. I mean, you guys both touched on something without touching on it. That's a really good point. The modern bigs in this era are ridiculously, and we're talking about the good bigs like Jokic, Nurkic, Bam, to, and I'm leaving Embiid out because he doesn't really have this particular skill in his repertoire. But those other three guys I just named are ridiculously good at passing the rock. They can create plays off the low block. They can create plays from the top of the key. And they can stretch their game out to the three-point lane, carve you with a pass, or d- drop a dime on you. And when you're playing against a big like that, like Bam was last night, and you close in on them, as Wayne said, you can't. they will just hit ridiculously good dime outside and there's a three-point shooter but you've committed two guys so now he's found the open man and when you're as tall as those guys are you can see the coverage coming so you can react accordingly I agree there definitely needs to be some form of defensive uptick on the roster as it's currently constructed otherwise they're not going to get as far as where they need to be I think a lot of that's effort I think a large, large part of it is communication. There was a sequence in the game against there's a sequence in the game against Miami where Cantor goes for a rebound and so does Hayward. And Hayward ends up knocking the rebound through Cantor's legs. Like that's communication. Just call out board. That's both of you guys going for it. I'm fine with that. You fumbling the ball because neither of you could open your mouth. I have a big problem. So I want more communication, more effort. Rotations are effort based. It's speaking and reacting and knowing that your man behind you has your back. And so does a chemistry issue coming off the bench? Does that mean that we need to see some other players get minutes to see if the chemistry issue can be resolved by plugging someone else in? Maybe. Does it mean that Taco Fall should get minutes? Absolutely not. Never in the history of the world will I back that. I'll turn it off before I watch that. Offensively, and I tweeted this out earlier, there needs to be more playmaking off the second unit. Second units play 246 minutes in the bubble. In them 246 minutes, they average one assist every, I think it was every 10 minutes. That's No, one assist every 24.6 minutes. That's the, that was the statistic. Of so if you're getting one assist every almost 30 minutes, that bench unit can't make nothing happen. There's no shooters coming off that bench either. So you need, what are they offering? 
if if defense is falling apart, which is meant to be what that bench unit shores up, what is that bench unit bringing to the table? And I've been against giving the rookies time during the bubble because I feel like you need to go with the older heads. I'm going to go back on that now. I'm going to admit maybe I was wrong. Throw Tremont in there. Keep Carson. Carson isn't doing nothing. Keep Carson on the bench. I'm fine with that. Bring Tremont in because distribution of the ball is going to what is going to be what elevates that second unit's offensive threat. And if buckets are falling on one hand, they're going to be full of confidence and they're going to scuttle back on this. And it's kind of going to bleed into the defense. But that that assist statistic um, really sickened me. That blows my mind that they are that terrible in moving the rock. And look, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I don't know what the deal is with Wanamaker. I don't think he deserves all these minutes. And it's tough because last night I was like, why are they putting in Wanamaker? And then you look at it and Marcus Smart fouled out. And I'm like, if Marcus Smart ends up getting hurt or gets fouled out or for some reason they have to pull him off the court and you have to put out Wanamaker, I really don't like that at all. Wanamaker, I feel like, has just struggled. And Korean's what we've talked about before, and Wayne's definitely been on it, where it's like we need to see more Tremont Waters and you see Carson Edwards. I agree with the Waters aspect. I think Waters, Waters at the very least deserves a chance to earn that role. I think right now Wanamaker has done enough or I guess not done enough to justify keeping that part. I think he's put enough reasonable doubt into the situation that you need to be giving guys who can actually help this team some time. And Wanamaker, I just don't trust to create for other people. He gets tunnel vision. Last night, he there was a couple plays where he was initiating it. And I'm thinking to myself, why, why is Wanamaker leading this play when you've got other playmakers out on the court who can score? Why is he the one driving to the hoop? Like, he's running out there, and I think Brown was out there or – Hayward was out there at the same time as him. Like, he should not be taking this shot. It's crunch time. There's five minutes left. Why is he taking a, why is he taking a look? And I just, yeah. I mean, I want to jump in real quick and say, with Kemba Walker not playing against the Nets later on this evening, then it would be a travesty if Tremont Waters didn't get a further look. He needs to. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that uh, Kemba wasn't going to play. Neither did I. But, the, but we did call this. We did say that there are going to be some games where you're probably going to see Kemba Walker take take off, and this is that night. It's against the Nets. They're not really competing. Well, it's you know? a back-to-back, too. They just came off the Bucks game, so they're going to be tired, played, too. He played his most minutes in the in last game. I, did we really count Kemba's minutes? Because it just looked – I know – I tell you what, Brad did a great job. He said 26, and I think he got it like, like 25, 59 or something. Like it was like spot on. My only question, though, was – and those three minutes, three minutes and 45 seconds, 46 seconds, Kemba came back. How is it? And I was a little upset with, with, with Jalen Brown. And I can get upset with Jalen Brown. I know you guys don't want to get upset with Jalen Brown. But Kemba was in the game. Kemba took the ball, and he didn't shoot. Like, he, he, he never got the, the ball to shoot until, like, one minute left. Now, go back and rewatch that because I'm saying – not even one minute. It was under the minute mark where Kemba got his first shot off in that three-minute and 45-second span. I remember when Kemba came in and Jalen was the first one that kind of like took took a shot, like took a three or something like that without really moving the ball. And we weren't really down by that much. I know we that three would have put us back down by three, if I'm not mistaken, or or whatnot. And I know they were going for the quick score. 
our shots just weren't falling from the three. I think Jalen Brown was like over five. Gordon Haywood was like over five. Like it was, I, Tatum was two over five. Like it was, it was from those three guys. You really need the threes to, the threes to fall. And I hate to say it, Marcus Smart falling out. That was kind of huge because every now and then he can give you a couple of three point shots that just keep the Celtics afloat, right? Keeps them in the thing. And plus his on ball defense. My my issue is Marcus Smart, and I love Marcus Smart, and this is not any defame to Marcus Smart because he's probably one of my favorite Celtics of all time. I just don't understand why he always has to rotate onto the big guys. And the the good big guys, like, you know, the quicker ones, like the, like the Bams, not saying that they're going to always outbeat Marcus Smart, but they're going to take advantage of the size matchup and they're going to get these crazy foul calls. And we can't have your best defensive player foul out. It can never happen. That that can't ever happen. And going forward, I can see I can see smart on other bigs, no doubt. I can see him playing other bigs, but I don't think they play as quick and as aggressive as like a Bam or 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 maybe a, a Jokic or, or 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 guys like that. But that that really rustled my feathers because all I can say is, geez, three, there's a, there's a whole quarter and a half left, and we have no Marcus Smart. We have no one else that can pick up that defensive intensity, and it's going to be a struggle. And then what put the icing on the cake is when Tatum got his fifth foul. So you got to look at those two things and how they may have hurt the Celtics in their comeback. And I will say, you got Adam, you said it. That it was the scrappy game because they scrapped. They scrapped to keep the game that close, they scrapped to hit shots. Kimba hits a big shot down the stretch with like 30 seconds, less than 30 seconds left to put the game like really close. Tim and I were like, oh, eyes popped up. Wait, wait a minute. It's not over. I thought we were going to get a steal on the inbound and get another shot. Unfortunately, we did, matter of fact, because I believe Drogic uh, traveled and we could have tied the game, but we missed the three. So there are a lot of positive takes you can take from this game, but when we're when you're focusing on the things that they need help or that they're missing, I just I I am I wrong for wanting to see Canner play more? I mean, when you're shooting and you're missing, isn't that the guy you want in the game? Because if you're talking about scrappy ball, man, I don't think any big plays more scrappier other than Glenn Big Baby Davis than Ennis Canner. Like I, I, he's just a scrappy guy that has a knack to find the ball and. I just wish he could have been in the game more down in the stretch. I know he's not. I know he's a liability on defense, but when your shots just aren't falling, I he was his footwork and positioning to get those rebounds was was amazing. And I think I think he plays more depending on the matchups. I would like to see him in the game more, especially if you're not going to utilize the other bigs. I mean, my biggest issue is if your threes aren't falling, that's fine. Everybody has enough night. Unfortunately, it just so happens that when one Celtic has enough night, they all seem to take the night off from deep. That's fine. I get it. It's human nature. You can't be on point every time. But have a plan B. If your threes aren't falling, switch it up. Start driving more. Start putting secondary screens on the drive. Where's Tyson Seals? Has anybody seen Tyson Seals and his man on the Tatum drive? Because I haven't seen that really in the last three games. That was a, a, a huge staple of the Celtics' offense coming into when the hiatus hit. It would be Tatum in the pick and roll with Tice. Tice would roll, seal the secondary defender. Tatum would get easy buckets around the hoop. It's not been very prevalent at the moment. And I understand it's the free Tice, the war on Tice, the refs aren't giving him the good whistle at the moment. 
it was a secondary option. If Tatum wasn't able to get hot from deep, then you could run that set two or three times, get his confidence under him, and then start pushing him back to the mid-range and then back out to the three-point area. It's the same with Brown. Brown's been the best player for the Boston Celtics since the start of the bubble. I think we can all agree on that. But the last thing you want is everybody playing hero ball. And that's what it feels like at the moment. It's like, you take a free, I take a free. You take... And that hero ball is what cost the Celtics a big run last year in the playoffs. Old habits die hard, I get it. Especially coming back from such a long break and being thrust into games that genuinely matter almost instantly. Less so for Boston because they were already in a playoff space. But, you know, you want to try and avoid the, a team like the Sixers in the first round, regardless of having consistent that teams being themselves. That lack of second option, like, okay, threes aren't falling. We're going to run play X, then play Z, then play Y. That all get you interior buckets. Just doesn't seem to exist at the moment. And I'm a huge fan of Brad Stevens. I expect and I believe he'll figure it out. But at the moment, there's definitely an offensive spark and defensive communication that are both missing. And I think that the offensive spark could be definitely nullified or added depending on which way you want to look at it by Tremont Waters. And when Romeo was in for spot minutes yesterday, he definitely provided some form of onboard D. He was making sure he was on his man. He was rotating correctly. He was picking up the guy that was slipping off screens. I get it. He's not going to give you any buckets. But at the moment, no one from the bench is giving you buckets. So give the dude a chance. I think we're going to cut to break. When we come back, we're going to be far more positive. We'll look at what they do have. I'm going to start it off. What they do have is four bona fide 20-plus a night scorers. What they do have is two high-level playmakers in Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward. What they do have is a bunch of young guys that can make impact with just pure energy. What they do have is one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. Another on-ball defender in Jalen Brown that's slowly working his way up the ladder to be classified in that echelon of players. And then they've got Jason Tatum that just for some reason has a magnet on his hands in the passing lanes. There's a lot to be positive about with this team. But I want to hear what you guys think the team has. You've said what they don't have. What do they have? I think when they've got all of their top five guys out there on the floor at once, this is one of the best passing teams in the league. Everybody's capable of handling the ball. Everybody's capable of shooting the three. They're all capable of switching. And I think when when those guys are out there and they're firing on all six cylinders, you've got a really, really strong team. I look back at some of the bigger wins this season. And in some stretches that we've seen so far, we've seen them moving the ball a lot and getting those awesome looks. And I think that's crucial. And I think that's also, you know, one of the things that we, when we see the problems on the bench, this is what we think about what their potential is. If this team manages to keep up that kind of playmaking and keeping those assists up, keeping the ball moving the way that they do, it's just going to bring this team to a completely different level. And when they, when they get to that point in a game, it's, it's some beautiful basketball, man. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, it's like artwork. It's like Brad Stevens painting a masterpiece. When you know all of his colors are just like popping, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and Tim can relate to to artwork, right? Because because he does he does some phenomenal paintings. Listen, it's it's they have a lot of positives, and I was saying that earlier on the segment of the show. They have leadership on different levels, and I think 
the leadership, even though it's still young, it's still a young thing. It's, it's, it's not like it's veteran leadership, even though you have guys that's been in the league for, for, for 10 plus years. I just feel like that youth leadership is what's going to make this team do something that I, I love, and that's be resilient. So when you see a loss like this <laughs> and you see a Jason Tatum do an interview and you don't see him with his head hanging down and you see a smile on his face and you see those things, listen, those are the intangibles that I'll take any day coming from a loss because that means that they know where they need to make their, they fix their mistakes and adjust. They know where they need to adjust and they're going to go out there and the, the, the next time they play, and they're going to find a way to adjust. Just like when they lost against the Bucs. The Celt- the, I'm not going to take away from the Bucs to say the Bucs didn't beat the Celtics. But the Celtics kind of like just beat themselves. And they kind of did it in this game as well. No disrespect. They were shooting all day. Miami was hitting shots. They couldn't, you know, one of the tactics I thought was to get Bam to the free throw line. I thought that's what Brad was going to start doing because he was missing. I just think that the Celtics have something called resiliency. And I think that they're going to find, you know, this is adversity for them. They're dealing with their star player not playing the full game and, and things like that. And you're allowing those super young superstars to really blossom. I know, Adam, you said that, you know, you don't see, J- J- you see Jalen Brown progressing to be one of those elite on ball defenders. I think he's there, man. You know, you he's a two way guy and he is experienced. When you you said that the Celtics need to have a plan B, well, he was plan B. Cause I don't if you didn't watch that man take that ball and try to drive on three or four people, I still don't understand how it's not a foul. Can you you you're gonna have to explain how he doesn't get touched by four guys going to the paint? I don't know how he missed four guys. They just didn't call the foul or whatnot. But he's he was trying to change the game and and get Celtics some type of easy baskets and to get the energy. So that's those are the things that I love their energy, their resiliency, and their young leadership. And I think with that, you know, you're going to see them go a long, long way and possibly win the championship. And that's a high possibility. If you play spades and you got certain cards, that's a high possible for me because this team is going to figure out ways. And on top of that, like the Joker is the coach, right? The Joker is is Brad Stevens. And I know we get on Brad and we say, oh, why doesn't he make these rotations? Oh, Brad has to be fired. Oh, this has, like, he just can't figure it out. No, it's not that he can't figure it out. It's just that he's not unleashing his whole deck right now. I mean, it's game three of uh, a seeding series. I don't think, I said this before, I don't think Brad cares where they line up in the seedings. I think they're ready to take on whoever they're going to take on because not, other teams are going to be trying to position themselves at a certain spot as well. And it's just going to come down to who falls where. And I think Brad just wants to go into the playoffs as the healthiest team he's ever had. I think that is his goal. I think his goal is to make sure that everyone is just healthy. So far, the Celtics have not had any knock on wood injuries playing these games. And I think his goal is to make sure that continues and keeps up. I mean, I've been very reluctant to ever criticize Brad's rotations or Brad's game plan simply because he's a head coach of an NBA team. I write about an NBA team and I talk about an NBA team. The level of basketball knowledge is vastly different in favor of Brad. So for 
it kind of perplexes me that once you're on Twitter, everybody feels like they know more than the head coach. They know more than the GM. Like I'm like, I get it. You've got your opinion, but you, that doesn't mean that you know more than a guy that has took a team with Isaiah Thomas as their starting guard to a conference finals, a team with a first year and second year wing to a conference finals. And that leads me on to the next point. The one thing the Celtics have that a lot of the teams around them don't is conference finals experience with the core that's already there. The only other team off the top of my head is Toronto. I mean, Milwaukee have got experience playing in that level as well. But Milwaukee's been there, what, once, if I'm not mistaken? This will be the second year they go there, if they go there. Toronto's been there once. Boston's been there twice with this core in terms of Jalen and Jason, Marcus Smart. They know how to get to the conference finals. And now they're more developed and more diverse in terms of what Jalen Brown can do, what Jason Tatum can do, what Marcus Smart can do, that they may have enough to make it out of that conference. But to do so, everyone has to trust in Brad Stevens, trust he knows what he's doing, and understand that, like, like Wayne said, maybe this is about staying healthy. Maybe it's we're already in the playoffs, so we're going to test some things out. Because we've seen things we haven't seen all season so far. We've seen Cantor being put on ridiculous minutes one game, not being put in the next, and then being told to facilitate as a dribble handoff guy at one point, then facilitate as a board cleaner. We've seen Tatum, Tatum's running pick and roll more than ever. I mean, he was running pick and roll during the season, but now it's like, wow. But that's in the absence of Kemba. So you have to kind of put it in both. But the evolution of the guy's play and the experience that's on that roster, and I've said this about Portland as well. I was the guy shouting, watch for Portland. Portland are going to be the team that come up to the, take the eighth seed off Memphis. Because of their experience, it's going to be the same for the Celtics. That core is so experienced at making a conference finals in playoff basketball that you just can't write them off. It's also interesting to see if they're just trying to play around with some stuff, as you said, Adam. If they're just trying to get into a rhythm, see what they've got. Maybe, as you said, with Kemba, maybe it's just a matter of making sure that they're healthy, they're not pushing it too much. I know that these games do matter, don't get me wrong, especially against Miami. If the Celtics had one last night, they pretty much all but would have wrapped up the third seed for sure. At the very minimum, you know, they would have third seed but because they'd have the tiebreaker against Miami. But now it's it's still possible and everything, but a one and two start in these bubble games that matter is a little bit discouraging. But the games were very close. That's the one thing. They haven't been blowouts. There have been mental lapses, but we've also seen – a lot of guys getting minutes that you wouldn't expect to be getting minutes in terms of Brad Wanamaker getting almost 30 minutes one of these games. And don't know how much off the top of my head he got last night, but I imagine it's a lot with Marcus Smart uh, following out and Kemba Walker on that minutes restriction. But I, I think they're just trying to take a little bit of a meter stick and see where they're at in terms of what they need to do, what they need to scheme for, what they're going to be facing. Because they could face Miami – if Miami manages to slip or the Boston ends up jumping up, it could also be against Philly. Milwaukee is a team that if you're late in the playoffs, you're most certainly going to be facing them at some point, one point or another. And, and maybe it matters less about seeding for this team now. You know, they're, they're pumping in crowd noise. They've got whatever home teams there, they're putting their fans up on the screens. But at the end of the day, even if they're pumping in noise, it's, there's no real home court advantage. I don't know how much it's going to change when you actually get into a full seven-game series. I don't know how that's going to feel. 
But I think right now it's just a matter of seeing what they've got for the rotation guys. And as you said, with this Nets game coming up today, I really want to see some Tremont Waters. I really want to see some Romeo Langford. And maybe we'll see some Rob Williams. You know, we did not see anything from him except last night where they brought him in on trying to defend one of the inbound passes towards the end of the game because he wanted his size. But I think they need to try and give some of these guys a little bit of run. If if your main like thought process is to try and see where your guys are at, where your team is at scheme-wise, give some minutes to these guys who could potentially come in and you know, give you a shot in the arm of your bench where you really need it. I think that the last thing we need to say, and I think we all agree on this, is it's only been three games. If this was the start of the season, none of us would be tripping. Correct. So, Agreed. I think there's a lot of positives on the team. I think there's a lot of depth on the team, a lot of switchability on the team. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what type of lineups they run out against Brooklyn. And we'll be able to kind of dive into that and other different aspects of what we're seeing on Friday's episode. For now, I think we've done enough. I think we've gave you guys what the Celtics are missing, what they've got, what they can rely on. So us guys here will be catching you again on Friday, yeah, when yeah. It's, which we call Friday over here because, you know, yay, it's Friday. Um, and um, Yeah, you see? See what I did there? Friday. Friday. All right, then, guys. We will catch you again on Friday. Stay safe. Stay classy. Them reviews would be lovely, by the way. We'd really appreciate them. Five star, obviously, no less. Spare, spare some reviews, ma'am. Bye. It's like a Michelin restaurant, you know. Five star. Bye. <laughs> we'll catch <laughs> you guys Friday. Peace. Peace. Right.